Well, good morning. Man, that was uh, incredible. I feel like we could do that for another four, 12 hours or something to that effect. But um, uh, such a life-giving time, uh, an opportunity to be the body, uh, be God's people coming together to lift up his name. There's something so powerful that takes place when we do that. And so uh, thank you. Thank you for doing that with us. Glad that you're here this morning. I want to welcome you uh, uh, to this house, this place um, to, to magnify Jesus. That's what we're here to do. This is a lot of people here have been here a long time, but there are a lot of new faces in here as well. My name's Keith Robertson, the pastor here. If you're new, you're just welcome. You're really, really welcome here. We're thankful to have you. Uh, honored to have you worshiping with us, and, uh, and we'd love to bless you. The way we do that is uh, in the pew back in front of you, you'll find a connection card. Uh, if you're new, uh, grab that card, fill it out, then uh, after the service, to get this, um, there's a chance to go into this foyer right back over here. Just go right through those double doors. Somebody will be there just to connect with you briefly. And what we want to do is give you a small gift. And it's just a a way of trying to say we're really honored that you're here. It means a lot to us that you're here. Um, But it also gives me an opportunity to connect with you and just shoot you an email. We won't bombard you with communication. I just want to say thank you personally. So we're glad to have you uh, here with us. You guys that are a part of the family, you can go ahead and get your tithe and offering ready uh, just to worship God with an act of worship, uh, an act of honoring him. Uh, we love being able to do that. Of course, we have multiple ways. You know, you can do that through our website online, but you can give here as well. And so we're going to do that uh, for you. You guys can go ahead and come forward to uh, receive that tithe and offering. If you happen to be brand new this morning, you don't have to feel any obligation whatsoever with this. We do this as an act of worship to the Lord where uh, we know uh, it's time for us to be a people who declare, God, we trust you above uh, ourselves or anything else in this life, especially uh, money. And, uh, and we get to do that, and we get to declare that through tithe and offering, and it also helps us accomplish the mission that we're doing here. So thank you for those of you that are a part of the family here, uh, partnering with us to accomplish what God is doing uh, through us. Just a couple of things we want everyone to have or just be aware of coming up. Um, first, if you've got a student, uh, somebody that 7th through 12th grade uh, this coming year, we've got a fun hangout coming up on Wednesday night. And uh, if you've ever dri- driven on I-65, you see this big, crazy ropes course, and you've often thought, like, what is going on over there? I'm not sure what that is, and it looks a little bit you know, insane, and so our, our student ministry is going to go do that. And so we want you to be a part of it. So if you've got a seventh, it's a great way just to get connected with some of the students that are here and a chance to uh, jump into a ropes course. And if you're just like, I absolutely am not going to do a ropes course, well, you can play like miniature golf. We'll figure something out for you. Uh, but we want you to, to come and hang out and just have fun and connect. And so uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that time. If you have any questions about that, you can find Christine. You can email Christine. We've thrown that out on the blast. Uh, Christine was one of the ladies that was singing in the black dress. She's in the back. Christine, wave at everybody. That's Christine. She's going to be uh, there, and she would love to uh, connect with you on that. The other thing is uh, we have a citywide Shabbat that's coming up. Caleb Company, a, we lo- a ministry we love and partner with, who has a, a, a power or a desire to see the power of God uh, manifest in Israel uh, as God says it's going to. It's a prophetic promise uh, in Romans 9, 10, and 11. If you've never read it before, God has promises for his original covenant people. Uh, we've all been brought into that family. And, uh, but the scripture says that when uh, God lifts the hearts of uh, Israel, when they recognize Jesus as Messiah, the world is going to break out into 
Oh, there's going to be a worldwide revival uh, following Jesus. And so it's a really powerful truth we have from Scripture. And so they're highlighting that. So if you've ever wondered like how all the Old Testament connects to the New Testament, Shabbat is an incredible opportunity to come and just hear about Jesus uh, through his original covenant people, Israel. So they're having a citywide uh, Shabbat. Uh, and it's free. We just, um, you, you want to be able to uh, register for it so they can make room and space for you. So if you can get that on your calendar, I think it's June 20th, July, <laughs> June. I always say June. I, I, re- I really have uh, space and time problems. And so um, <laughs> anyway, July 20th. So that's coming up. Just register. There's a website there. You can register and let them know you're coming. That's going to be, it, it will absolutely be a powerful time of connecting with the heart of God uh, for uh, us. So want you to be aware of those things. Uh, if you will, go ahead, grab a Bible. You're going to need a Bible. Everybody needs one, whether if you don't have one, there should be one near you in the pew back, or maybe there's one on your phone. I want you to be able to see and investigate the scripture for yourself as I'm preaching uh, this morning as I'm teaching. And so we want you to have that. Um, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter eight. You can go ahead and go there, Nehemiah chapter eight. We're continuing this series uh, going through Nehemiah because uh, we believe that uh, what God did in Nehemiah is true for his people, which is that God has a vision he wants to give to you to restore, renew, rebuild something. Every one of us was meant to be a part of that mission, and we're trusting him uh, regardless of what the circumstance looks like and how do we go through that process. And so uh, we're coming to, uh, to Nehemiah chapter 8 this morning. We were there last week. We're going to finish it up this morning. So I'm going to pray for us. And then um, we're going to dive in. Let's pray. God, you have uh, so many things that of who you are that you want to impart to us. You have ways that you think that are different than the ways that we think. And you have things that beat in your heart that are different than the things that beat in our heart. You have unique perspective of our lives and our homes and our workplaces in this region, and it's different than how we often see it. So we're asking you to impart who you are to our mind, to our heart, our perspective over this city. Would you impart? In fact, even just where you're at, just say, God, would you impart your word to me? Lord, we ask and um, humbly that you would do that because that's what you promised to do through your Holy Spirit as we illuminate your truth, your word. And so you're welcome here to impart. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, around 1992 there was a book that came out and it kind of was a sensation. And you probably have heard of it. It was called The Five Love Languages. Anybody ever heard of this? Five Love Languages, okay? And uh, this book uh, essentially espouses there are five core ways that people receive love and five, five ways that we uh, give love. And so those ways, in fact, we're gonna throw those on the screen for you. We want you to see these are the five ways that uh, people receive and give love. And so there's, those five ways are words of affirmation, uh, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, 
and physical touch. Now, how many of you have heard of the book Five Love Languages? Are familiar with the concept? Raise your hand real high, okay, because you're going to need to vote here. So we're taking a straw poll to see how this church is split up, okay? All right, so uh, in, inevitably, you, you are one of these things, so I'm just going to ask you to vote. And, and, and like, don't overthink this. You're like, well, I kind of am a quality, but I also like to be held. I mean, don't, don't, d- just let go and just, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, I'm going to ask you what you think your top uh, uh, love language is, and we're just going to take a poll, okay? So you're going to have to be real bold and brave. It's a little bit vulnerable here. How do you feel love? This is how, now I'm asking the question, how is it that you feel love? All the men are like, oh, God, I'm sweating. It's is awkward. I can't do this. I can't. All right. Okay. All right. So if you are a words of affirmation person, you love receiving words like somebody says, oh, my gosh, you look so cute. And you're like, oh, my day is made. Okay, that's you. All right. If that's you, raise your hand real high, real high. Words of affirmation, people. Okay, good. All right, good. All right. Okay. Everybody say something nice to those people at the end of this time. Okay. All right. How many of you are quality time people? Quality time. Like, I just need time. Okay. All right. Okay, it was all over. All right. Be careful if you talk to these people because they will hold you here after church for a long time. Okay. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying. Just be ready to delay lunch. Okay. How many of you, like, you totally, you feel so loved when somebody, like, thinks about the perfect gift for you? Receiving gifts, that's you. Gift receiving. Gift receiving. Nobody's like, nobody's like. Is that like the unchurchy one? What's the deal with that? So what's, is there something wrong with that one? Okay. All right, we'll just, clearly we need to have a sermon series on something with that, okay? You need to receive. Okay. Uh, access serve. Somebody does something really kind for you. Uh, they wash your car. They take care of something. Access serve. Real high. We can see it. Okay. Access of service. Okay. All right. Awesome. Uh, we want to love and serve you. Um, that's good. <laughs> We're going to figure that out. Okay. How many of you are phys- physical touch people? Physical touch. Come on. Raise it up. Yeah. Just a, a few. Yeah. Okay. We're going to, and we'll, and everybody, you get, get hugs and kisses at the end of our time here. Okay. We're going to do that. Okay. So everybody has, every human has a way of receiving love and communicating love to other people. But really, what, we, what we're looking for is that expression of delight. That's, here's what you can't get away from. Doesn't matter. You want some expression of delight in you to come forward. That's what we're all looking for. That, that's, that's what the, the whole premise of this book is, that there is a hunger in the human spirit in some way, form, or fashion. It doesn't matter really where. In fact, whatever human, whether you're young or old or black or white or male or female, rich or poor, you really want, what you really, really want is to be delighted in. And if you came in, you got a worship guide on the back of your worship guide, a set of notes. If you want to follow along, you like to fill in blanks, feel free to do that. What every human, doesn't matter where you come from, your age, it, every person at the base of who they are, they want to know they can be delighted in. I was listening to a podcast this week. He's actually a senior pastor, just took over leadership of a large church, but he spent some time, uh, he's been a little bit in ministry, but before his time in ministry, he was actually a journalist. 
He's a journalist, and uh, what he did is, in fact, he was a writer. He wrote for USA Today. He wrote for CNN. He wrote for the New York Times. His pieces were published all over. He's actually a young guy. He's only 35, but he was uh, being published uh, at a young age, spent a lot of time in journalism before the Lord gripped his heart and pulled him into ministry. But what he said was this. In the interview, he was saying, listen, we did interest pieces on people. We did. I would one week be doing an interest piece on someone who is homeless or some person who is in the worst possible situation. And, I, but I, and then the very next week, I'd be, doing, I'd be writing about a billionaire. And so I saw the wide swath of all of humanity. And, I, and we were in the guts of it. And I'm writing about it. And here's, he said, the one thing I can tell you, it doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum. There is a base desire to be delighted in. That is common to all humans. It doesn't matter. And you and I know this is absolutely true because there are celebrities with all of the money and fame they could possibly want and their lives are a mess. And we see it. And, and even recently, there's been a rash of, uh, uh, of people that are famous and wealthy and they're uh, taking their own lives. We've seen it time and time again. There is this hunger desire to be delighted in, and nothing else can fix that. No no thing can satisfy that. In fact, it's only found in one place. Now, I want to take, take that a step further, that not just do we desire to be delighted and to have expression of delight over who we are. Of course, we have that desire, but there's a whole nother level when we actually get real about who we are, we especially want to be delighted in when we feel the weight of how messy we actually are. Maybe another way to put it is, there's nothing more life-giving than when you feel delighted in in the middle of your mess, right? Because if we actually took the human condition, if we could, if you will, if we cataloged all the mess that you are, all the broken ways that you think. We put it into a blog or we threw it up on the screen, right? We put it in a newspaper or whatever it is. If we took all of this, the messy stuff and the wrong stuff and the nasty stuff that's inside of you and all the worst thoughts you've ever had. I mean, none of you have had really bad thoughts. I know you guys are really great, but the rest of the world, you can imagine, right? How bad and how yucky. And if you took all of it and you plastered it on the screen, and be like, and we all know deep down inside the selfishness that we carry, the broken thoughts that we have. We feel the weight of our own humanity. We feel the weight of sometimes our, for lack of a better term, the grossness that is inside of us apart from God. And we want to be delighted in even if we don't deserve it. We know at times how undeserving we feel of being delighted in. We know how often we feel undeserving of being delighted in because we know of how treacherous we can be internally. It's often, it's easy to point the finger at lots of other people, but we all know it. We've all been in that place. We've had that. We want to be delighted in. It is core to our Existence, but there's a whole nother level when you know you're a mess and you're desperate for it. This is where we land. That thought, that moment is where we land in Nehemiah chapter 8. So let me set this up for you. The, God has 
uh, tasked Nehemiah to restore the walls. And really what he's doing is restoring God's church, his people. And he comes back and he rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. They take on all kinds of attacks, but there's a vision. They're called to move forward. He moves forward. They, uh, they stave off all the attacks of the enemy. They build a wall. In 52 days, the wall is built. The people of God come rushing back. More than 42,000 people come back to now be a part, to come back. And what they do is a minute that all the people of God come back, They grab people, and we talked about this a little bit last week. They get all the people together, Nehemiah chapter 8, and finally the people are together, and they just open up the word. They open up the scrolls. Essentially, they take the the written word of God, and they just begin declaring it. And you know what happens? Now, this has been a group of people that have been removed from the word of God. They've been removed from God's heart. They don't know how, what God thinks. They've been scattered. They haven't had access to the truth of God. They haven't had access to the heart of God. They've been removed from it. So when they come back, they, uh, Ezra opens up the scroll and he begins to declare the word of God to them. And all of a sudden, they're completely undone. They have become massively aware of how short they have fallen. They've given their hearts to idols. They've run, they've turned their back from truth. They've given their hearts away to a thousand different things. And they come back up under the word and they feel the way, oh my goodness, how broken we are, how far we've gone, how, how badly we have made a mess of, our God, of this relationship with God. They're feeling the weight of what's actually happening here. And all of a sudden, they're seeing God in a brand new light. They feel the weight of his good. They're seeing his goodness. His goodness is being expounded. They're thinking, they're hearing the word. And as the word's going forward, you know what they're hearing? Oh, yeah, these people were a mess. But God raised up Abraham. These people were a mess. God raised up Moses. These people were a mess. God raised up, and he said, I'll I'll receive you again. Doesn't matter how messy you are. Doesn't matter how badly you've blown it. Doesn't matter. It's over and over and over. The word is expounding on, hey, you've made a mess of things, and I'm here to make you whole and right again. This is just, this is the narrative over and over. They're sensing it. They're hearing how people turned Back to God, he was merciful, and they begin to worship, and they're feeling that thing that many of us have felt. I'm a mess. I've fallen short. My life was not, not looking well. I, I felt unlovable. I've been unfaithful. I've fallen short. That emotion that we feel. And in that moment, the need to be valued when we feel that our own deficiency, that, that desire, that base human desire. I want to be valued, and they're sensing it. Now look at Nehemiah. Here's what the Lord does to them. They're in this moment. You can feel how vulnerable this is. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, he's essentially, so Nehemiah is basically the, Pastor and Ezra is the worship leader. And the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day, you're hearing this, this is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. 
And then he said to them, listen, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this day is holy. Don't be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. So here's what happens. They're feeling the emptiness of their lives. They've seen that they've fallen radically short. They've heard the mighty name of God. They've seen how holy he is. They know we're, we're not worthy. We aren't making it. And here's what God says in the midst of that. Hey, boom, time out. I got one thing to say to you. Don't mourn. Don't weep. I love you. Lift up your heads. It's time to party. It's time to party. That's what he's saying. You throw it up on the screen. I want you to celebrate. Now, there might be feeling in that moment. I don't feel like celebrating. So why are you saying in this moment where we're feeling this weight of the chasm that's there, God pushes the pause button through his servants and he says, it's time to party. Why? Because God declares my joy in you is your strength. My joy in you is your strength. This is what he's saying. Listen, I'm happy. I have joy, and my joy is what's going to give life to you. My joy, not, not like, hey, I'm a good God, so you need to get your act together and be happy. That's not what he's saying. He's not looking at you saying, hey, um, you, you probably, like, I'm doing good, I'm in control, so you need to be happy. What he's saying is, my joy is your strength. Not saying like you need to work yourself up and you know, do some magic tricks or whatever you need to do to make yourself happy. What he's saying is my joy is your strength. In fact, if you've ever grown up in the church before, you've heard the, you've heard the scripture before, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You won't hear, you won't hear this, this phrase or this sentence anywhere else and all, it comes right here from Nehemiah chapter eight. My joy is your strength. I am happy. I have joy and I have delight in you. And the, the, maybe the way I might put this is, listen, I'm not, I'm not messed up by your mess up. I have joy and it's your strength, meaning my delight in you is your strength. How, can, how is it possible? How, how is it possible for God to have joy in this group of people that have been so far gone, so far removed? And they're coming back, they're hearing the word, they're realizing the chasm, and he's going, no, 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 time out, time out. I know you're mourning and weeping because you feel the weight of your messiness, and he's saying, guess what? Just pause button, my joy is your, my joy, and I'm, I'm, I'm joyful. Now, the picture I give you is this, um, it's the joy that a father has for a son, right? So uh, when um, we were having our first child, um, my, my wife had expanded. So maybe the word in stature, okay? And um, 
And it, it was, so we're going in for the doctor visits and our, our son is, is measuring large. And so, um, and it comes to that time she has, can't go into, she's not going to labor on it. The doctor is finally like, hey, listen, we probably need to induce or this expansion is going to continue and probably in a way that won't be healthy long-term for you. So, um, so we're, we're going to, and so they induce and we go into labor. So my wife does an amazing job, goes through labor, has our, our firstborn son. He comes out, he's, he's awesome, and they put him on the scale. They put him on the scale. Just, you know, that's what they do. They kind of wipe him up and put the bonnet on him, you know, because he kind of looks like an alien until they put a bonnet on, right? <laughs> it's just kind of, let's be honest, babies, start alien, then bonnet, and then all of a sudden everything's okay. And you know what I'm talking about. Don't judge me. You know what I mean, okay? <laughs> so you got the, and they, they, put him on, they, they put him on the scale, and the scale, and it just, and the thing keeps rolling up. And he, and he measures nine pounds, 15.3 ounces. So he's just a couple point shy of 10 pounds. And the nurse is like, oh, Lord. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> and seriously, and I'm like, no way. He's 10 pounds, 10 pound boy. <laughs> I was just like, and I, you know, I was just feeling like amazing. This is awesome. Like, oh my gosh. I, well, I, we just had, I, I, we, she had a 10 pound boy. Yeah, this is man. You know, I was so excited about it. And so I'm, I'm literally lit up and I'm finally, I have to tell. So I've come down the hall and I literally, as I see the family, I throw my arms up into the air like I'm Rocky Balboa. This is, so some, by the grace of God, somebody caught this moment. I'm coming down the hallway and I'm, I'm not, I don't even, I'm just not like, hey, you know, mom and baby are doing great. I'm like, 10 pounds, 10 pounds. That's what I'm doing. I'm so lit up. And next slide, I'm with my father-in-law, next slide. And I'm like, uh, I'm just like laughing and excited. And he's like, great job. And I was like, I, did, I didn't do much, but I, I was, but I was so, so pumped, so excited. I think I'd eaten a few cupcakes, but I just was like pretty lit. Uh, I remember being so sad, and I'm telling you that this, this delight I had. Listen, uh, uh, my son had de- literally, he'd done nothing for me. Done nothing for me. Uh, hadn't, hadn't said a word to me. Hadn't acknowledged my existence in any way, form, or fashion. But I was delighted in that monster but baby. You know, just... I was delighted in him. He didn't bring anything to the equation. I just was delighted in him. It was just in me, uh, and, and I wanted to just share it with him. And to this day, he's 11 years old now, and he's approaching. He's approaching being larger than his mom and approaching. He'll probably be bigger than me by the grace of God. And, and, and all I want for him is to know that I, and he's, he's 11, so... You guys that have had preteens, he's got problems, okay? He just, you know, he's 11. But guess what? I, I just delight in him. I, I, just, I just love him. And, and but apart from him doing anything for him, this is who God is. So the people are undone. They're going, oh, my gosh, we've made such a mess of our lives. And God goes, no, 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 time out. My joy. Delight. I'm glad for you. You've come back. 
you've returned. And all I want you to know is it's time to party. It's time to celebrate like a best friend does for another best friend or like a groom does for a bride, right? Remember uh, sitting, or uh, we were in Lubbock, Texas, and Megan had, uh, we'd gotten each other rings, and uh, Megan had gotten this ring. So she, she does this, she like thinks about me. She thinks about like what kind of ring I would like, and she's thinking about, you know, what would be cool for me. And, and, and she's thinking about all these design elements. And then on the inside of the ring, she has inscribed um, Ezekiel 36. It's a promise that God gave to her about uh, what he would prophetically do. She had had a kind of a messy uh, upbringing um, in her home. And God said, listen, whatever was in the past, I'm going to do. Ezekiel 36 is a promise to not just to her, but to a people, to, a, uh, to a, honestly a church. And, and so she put, she inscribed this, this promise on the inside of my ring. And so she's telling me, and she's describing why she picked the shape and why she chose this ring and why she put that inscription. She said, you are a part of the fulfillment of God's promise to me through this passage of scripture. And she's saying all these things to me. And I'm just like, God, you're amazing. And, I, you know, it was like, I feel things for you. And, but, you know, we're not married, so here's my Christian side hug. You know, like, I just, but, you know, like, but I'm, I'm feeling that. But, like, my delight, I'm just feeling that f- for her. I'm thinking, you're, this is awesome. I, I, and, and it's because of who you are and the way that you think and the way that you process life and just the way God's wired you. That's, I just delight in that. You know, I delight in that. This is what, this is, please hear this. We have these experiences in this life because this is who God is. You understand? We don't have these experiences. We don't have these thoughts, feelings, and emotions separate from God. They are who God is, and we taste them here. And this is what our next 10 billion years is like for all that are gutsy enough to say, Christ, I want to follow you with my whole life. This is what the promise is. This is what God wants to do. It's what he's aiming at. And so here they've just discovered they're a mess and and they've remembered how yucky and selfish and deceitful and disobedient they could possibly be. And God is saying, literally, in verse 11, he's literally, he says, shut up. He says, stop talking. This is not the time to mourn. This is a time to get your head around that God has delight in you not because of anything that you have done or anything that I could do, but when you are covered under the power of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, when, G- when God looks at you, he sees the beauty of his son. So if you've ever had those moments where you go, I don't feel very delightful to God. I feel how bad of a mess I am. The power of what Jesus did on the cross totally shifted and changed who you are. So when God looks at you, he's going, oh, my son, my daughter, I'm lit. You're my 10-pound baby. I'm for you. And you, need to, and you need to hit the pause button, and it's time to celebrate. That's actually what he's saying. Don't move on from this moment. We're, no more mourning. Stop your weeping. Stop your mourning. In fact, be quiet. Shut your mouth. And would you receive, and would you, it's time to celebrate. 
I have joy and delight in you. Enter into my rest. Get strength, get life from it. That's why I'm building you. Understand this. You understand why God is bringing his covenant people back. It's not just to say, eh, we're back and we can all like play buddies and eat bologna sandwiches and you know, all that. It's, it's not about that. It's saying, I I'm, have something I'm doing in you. I want this delight that's in me, my joy in you as my people, I want it to go out. I want other people to taste it. That's what he's having. He's saying, uh, be quiet. Listen to what I'm saying. I love Zephaniah chapter three because it says the Lord exalts over us with singing and then he quiets us with his love. You need to be quiet and listen to what I'm saying. I like you. I delight in you. You you, You may not be bringing much to the equation, but if you're in Christ, you're a totally different entity, and I delight in you. That's what he's saying. So, so he says, so, so celebrate. He says, literally, he says, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine or sweet drink. Little verse 10, he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who doesn't have. For this day is holy. It's set apart for God. And I love that. Uh, just, to, just for clarity here, and there's a whole, there's a whole other sermon in here, but please hear this. There is a massive correlation between holiness and happiness. We think they're exclusive. What God's saying is, my delight is your strength, and this day is holy. You're set apart. Your delight, your ability to have joy, be strengthened, comes from his holiness being imparted to us, being given to us, and us walking in it. So there's this correlation here. Don't be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I love it. So now, that may sound weird to you, but it says, eat the fat. Here's what I mean. If you, how many of you like barbecue? barbecue people. Of course you are. You're from either Tennessee-ish. Uh, nobody's actually from Tennessee. I've met, everybody comes here, but nobody's actually from here. There's like t- two people that are from here. But everybody wants to come here because this place is amazing. And, um, but the, it's great barbecue country. Um, and, and you guys do pig, okay. Um, you, I mean, you smoke it well, all right. T- Tennesseans need to learn how to smoke a brisket. They need to, they, you need to learn that. That's in the notes. So I'm just, I literally, I just, I just put, I mean, I just put that, in, honestly, I put that in there because I wanted to see if I could start a fight in a church service. I'm ready, just ready to do this right now. So, but here's what happened, here's what happened. You know what, you know what actually, you know what barbecue is? It's actually the worst, toughest parts of the animal. It's unedible unless you slowly over a long period of time, put it over an open flame. Dear Jesus, I'm dreaming about lunch. All right, okay. <clears throat> you put it over an open flame, and then you slowly cook it. And what it does is instead of all the connective tissue in it tightening up real fast over a hot flame, if you do it slow, what it does is it goes, Ugh. that's what it does. And all this, all this fat, that's what, I'm sorry, this is what fat molecules, I'm so, I'm into barbecue nerdery. Okay, this is what it does, okay? You didn't know that church was also cooking class. Let's huddle up and hang out after this. Okay, so, so that's, what, that's what the fat does. And when, when the fat does that, it becomes moist and tender. And, and if you talk to any barbecue person, if I walk into a barbecue, barbecue person, I say, fat is, what are they gonna say? They say, fat is, <laughs> awesome, yes. But fat is flavor. It says, 
all the flavor actually comes from the fat. You put that salt, you put your, you know, some of you, I'm looking at you guys, some of you guys got your own rub and all that kind of stuff. Okay, it's good. All right. But if you're doing it right, it's just salt and pepper. That's Texas. All right. Just period. Okay. But, and all that gets into the fat and then it just chills down and, and it tastes amazing. And so, so when God is looking at the people go, hey, when he says they eat the face, like get the good stuff. Get, this is party time. My joy joy that I have. Not wounded here. God isn't up in heaven wounded like, oh, what am I going to do about humanity? He's, he's got this. My joy is your strength. It's time to party. You need to let me party over you is essentially what he's saying. Eat the fat, drink the sweet. It says the sweet drink. It's actually, I think it could mean wine or, in fact, just for theologically speaking, there's a different word for wine and there's a different word for grape juice and this is just sweet. Just drink the sweet is what it says. So whatever that means to you, you do you. But that's what that means, okay? Well, what he's saying here is, okay, all right? But just, but here's what he's saying. You, you need to pause, and I don't know how bad your life may be going or how bad your circumstances look right now, but nothing can change my joy and my delight in you as your strength. You got everything you need for tomorrow. Everything you need to step into what God's call is on your life, you have because God delights in you. He has joy and he's got strength for you. And it's not in you building yourself up, it's in getting in him before him to receive it. And so the question is then how, how do I get under that? Because what the, enemy, what the enemy wants to do is seed lies and bring fear. In fact, the enemy of joy is fear. Fear is actually the enemy of joy. And, and, and it's not sadness, right? The, the, the tendency is think, okay, joy is the good thing and sadness is, but it's not, in fact, that's not true in any way, form, or fashion. In fact, uh, I'm just, even as I'm looking at Trina, Trina lost her father uh, this past week and uh, got the chance to be there at the, um, funeral, Trina just shared, and she just, she preached the gospel. It was, awesome. in fact, you should probably be preaching this morning. It's, it was so good, all right? But listen, her father went on. There's sadness, tears in her voice, right? Sadness. Behind the tears, inside of Trina is joy, all right? Because what she's talking about is a man who's been fully and utterly redeemed, and is now in the presence of Jesus, right? Sadness is not the enemy of joy, Fear is the, it's okay. We're all gonna have sad moments. We're gonna have those moments that that's a real emotion in life. That's not, but it doesn't take away joy. It doesn't steal, sadness can't remove it. Joy is deeper seated than anything else. But what the enemy wants to do is seed fear. Fear is the enemy of joy. That's what we see all throughout scripture. In fact, it's why you'll hear over and over and over and over again. Not God doesn't say, don't be sad. What does he say? What he says is, don't fear. Fear not. Don't fear. Okay, we're all gonna have those emotions that go up and down with the craziness of life. But what he's saying is, listen, you can't be fearful. And that's when, when God's declaring, my joy is your strength. What he's saying is, is I have delight. And so if you're coming to me and you're fearful of me, if you're fear-based in how you're operating, if you're operating out of I'm scared of the days ahead, then you've missed out on the fact that I'm the king. 
I'm over all this. You're going to have mountaintops and valleys, but I'm here and I'll walk you through this. I will be your strength. But don't walk to me. Don't come to me fearfully. Don't be afraid. Come to me by faith, trusting that I'm for you and I'm not against you. That's what he wants to do. God wants to breathe that life, that relief into our lives, right? That's what, that's what that trust, that delight, being delighted in allows us to do is to look at God, our eyes up full of faith and full of hope for the days ahead because we have one who delights in us. And, nothing, and you can't purchase that. Vacations can't buy that. Relationships can't buy that. Large-scale salaries cannot buy that. Nothing buys that. There's one place it comes from. It comes from the joy of God and his delight in us through the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. And so my question for you is this. What, what do you, what's your primary, how do you primarily, uh, what's the primary emotion that you put on God? You think he's angry with you all the time? You think God is sitting there frustrated with you? This is a real life question that you're gonna have to wrestle through. Because the answer to this question, what do you think God's emotions are toward you, especially when you've messed up, are going to define everything about how you walk through life, period. Period. You can be in this room and an atheist. This will define you. What you believe about God's emotions toward you, especially when you've been a mess, is going to define everything about you. Do you approach him sparingly as an angry father? And, and many of us, let's be honest, many of us have had some pretty broken home lives. Fathers were wrong and angry. Our, our parents were maybe even brutal. And we got some gross pictures about God, some wrong understandings about who he is from that. And God's here, he's gonna, listen, it, God's ready to re, rewrite how you find your significance and strength. He's ready to rewrite it. He's asking the question. What, is, what do you believe? What, what emotion do you attribute to God? If you're coming to him sparingly because you think he's an angry, disappointed father, then we will struggle to find joy and strength in this life. The ability to have strength to walk through whatever challenges are in front of you. Many of you are called to think. I want you to, sure, everybody looking at me right here. Just need your eyeballs real fast. Everyone in this room has a definitive calling of God on their lives. Every person, you, on your life. Defined purpose. A plan. And if we are fearful of an angry God ready to blast us away the 55th time we've fallen short, then we will find ourselves in a descending spiral of depression, unable to step up into the calling that God has on your life. And I would say corporately, the calling that God has on this church. Because, and what I love about this is this isn't God's joy just for us, but it's God's joy in us to be spread. Look at verse 10. Send portions, when he's saying party, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to the Lord. Look at verse 12. And all the people went 
their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Right now, you might be wrestling with experiencing strength and joy in this life, and God has life to give to you from his own wellhouse. But my guess is you absolutely know somebody outside of this room that is desperate for joy. They're looking for it in a hundred different places, money, relationships, careers, kids, political leaders. None of it can answer the cry for strength, for life, for joy, to have true joy. I don't care. I don't, hey, listen, I don't care what your view is of the new Supreme Court justice, or the, new, the one that is Trump wanted to appoint. I'll tell you, he is not the answer for your joy in this life. He is not the answer for your strength in this life. I don't care what CNN or Fox News tells you. There are people out here that are desperate to experience what God has granted and given to us. We were meant to give it away. That's what he says. It's time to party. It's time to celebrate how I see you. And by the way, for anybody that doesn't have it, give it away. New River Fellowship is meant to be a church that is full of the delight of God in us and ready to share it with a broken world around us. That's why we're here. That's why this church was planted. That's why this church was constituted. I believe Nashville is going to be shifted and changed and transformed because of this church. And it starts with us getting the delight of God in us, pushing the pause button, hushing our mouths, and listening to his words over us. They were, the people were totally undone. Listen to it, receive it, and begin to walk in it. Joy of God is critical. The joy of God in you is critical. Not just for us, but for those who are far from God. Hear that again. The joy of God in you, meaning the delight of God in you, is critical to people who are far from God. And if it's not radiating at us, it won't be radiating to the people who are so desperate to have it. Pray with me. Father, I pray right now. There's some of us that have just been struggling, haven't experienced your joy and your delight. And it's just time to push the pause button and to celebrate. Our circumstances maybe aren't great right now, but that does not change. Oh God, your joy Your delight in us is our strength. And just even just right where you're at, would you just plead? I mean, just when I say plead, I mean, you recite that truth over yourself. Your joy, your delight in me is my strength. Not my circumstances, not my finances, not the political climate. Your joy is my strength. Oh, God, fill me up today. And I pray this. God, may your joy be in me so that uh, someone else around me can taste it. Somebody else can experience it. There's somebody even you're thinking of right now that is so joyless because they don't know the joy of the Lord. Would you pray for them right now? Might be a family member, might be a friend, might be a coworker. God wants to radiate his joy to them, but he's going to do it through you. Your delight in God.
because he's delighted in you first. Lord, would you do that in us? Would you do that in us individually? Would you, would you do that in us as a church? I pray this church radiates the goodness, the delight of God all over this city. And every place we go, your darkness would vanish. The, uh, the darkness would vanish and your light would move forward. May we party well. Help us celebrate. Help us to laugh and have joy. Help us to delight in you because you first delighted in us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, above every name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Blessings. Uh, You guys stand. Go ahead, stand. We're going to finish with uh, our benediction. Let me just say this. If you have found yourself really struggling to receive the joy of God over you, we're going to have some people up here that would love to pray with you just about that, but we'll pray with you about anything. But our prayer partners are going to be up here up front, and they would love to just pray with you and just ask for God to delight you with his delight. And uh, and so we'll be here for that. I'm going to pray benediction over us, just a, a prayer from the scripture as we go. If you feel comfortable, just get your hands out. Say, God, I'm ready to receive this because I'm going to walk in it. And you don't have to do this, but uh, we love to position ourselves as we go. Father, would you bless and keep us? Would you make your face shine upon us? and Be gracious to us. Lord, would you lift up your countenance that's full of delight in his children so that we can have your everlasting circumstance-conquering peace. And we walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. You're dismissed. Prayer partners will be up here to pray with you.